worship team. Everybody good? Good, good. Well, as you know, we have been uh, in the beginnings of a brand new series uh, that we've started, and it's called The Church That God Sees. Now, for some of you, you might remember uh, that we began a series in September, November. We spent some time um, looking at the foundations of our faith, the core things that God wants us to build our lives on that we would become everything that he's called us to be. And if you ever want to catch up on any of those messages, uh, they're available on our YouTube and and Spotify and and all our online platforms. Um, But we talked a bit about last week, church, about how when God gives us foundations, when he gives us spiritual brickwork to build our lives upon, he doesn't leave us there, does he? Rather, he wants to build us up into everything that he's called us to be. He wants to build us into the people that he's called us to be. We don't want to get left at the foundations. We want to get built up into our full potential of who God has called us to be. So what we're going to do this morning, churches, is read together our foundational text, if you're able. It comes from 1 Peter, and he's writing to the church, and he's telling them that God desires to build them up into everything that he's called them to be. So why don't we read that text together, and that's going to give us a bit of a plant for this morning. Are you ready? As you come to him, that would be you. Ready? As you come to him, well done, that's it. I love how, uh, especially because I've, I've, I've preached in England and, and Scotland, a couple of different places, and um, I love how usually when we get folk to read the congregation, to read the scripture, the accent always comes through. Doesn't matter where you are, precious to him. You know, it's just, it's just our accent always comes through. And so church, over the next couple of weeks, over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at the kind of people, the kind of church that God has called us to be. Last week, we looked at how we are worshipers. We want to be a worshiping church. Later on in the series, we're going to look at what it means to be generous people, to be a generous church, what it means to be a prayerful and impactful church in our communities and workplaces, that you and I would feel a sense of purpose and identity begin to be established in our hearts and mind to say, yeah, this is why God has me here on the earth. This is who God is building me to be. This is who God is building us to be as his church. But to help me introduce this morning's theme, if you like, I want you to give me a hand with finishing a few phrases off. Are you ready? So I'm busy as a bee. Some people said, I I saw online, some people say beaver. Has anybody said that? No? Busy as a bee. I must be our thing. I'm snowed. I got a lot of my... Plate, close. I've got a lot. Mine might work too. I'm ready to throw in the. I'm at the end of my. I'm up to my. Stop the world lie. I'm 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 at my wits. I'm ready to resign from the. Human race. Chloe didn't get that either. Oh well. I've too much to do in. Give my head. We'll all get that one, wouldn't it? You know, church, stress and busyness is built into our lives, isn't it? 
rushing, hurrying, now more than ever, is so ingrained in our culture, it's actually now ingrained in our language. We've got so many phrases for it. You know, actually, hurry is now being, it's not a, a medical condition as such, but now psychologists and doctors are now talking about hurry sickness. And there was a, a doctor called um, Meyer Friedman, and he actually was the first cardiologist to connect uh, severe stress and severe anger to heart issues, right? Hurry, church, is, is so ingrained in our culture. Busyness and stress is really beginning to form who we are. And as believers, we're not exempt from it, are we? Did you ever see a believer and they're just, they really do have the joy of the Lord? It frustrates the life out of you, right? Because we're always so stressed and so tense and so busy. Um, Dr. Friedman actually says this. Hurry sickness is a behavior pattern characterized by chronic rushing and anxiousness and an overwhelming persistent sense of urgency, even when there's no need to be moving so fast. Here's a couple of statistics for you. The most common cause of stress is work-related stress, with 79% saying they frequently feel under pressure. One in 14 UK adults feel stressed every single day. That's 7% of the population. Inpatient hospital admissions caused by stress-related illness in the UK cost the NHS over 8 billion every single year. And between 16% and 64% had their eating, drinking, or smoking habits increase negatively due to stress. Church, we live in a busy, stressful world, don't we? It's all around us. The rush, the hurry, the go, go, go. But you know, this morning, church, the Lord is inviting us to be a very different people. The Lord is building us into a different house altogether because in the middle of our busy world, Jesus offers us rest. Jesus offers us peace. And this morning, that is accessible for each and every single one of us. How can we access that peace? Church, how can we be a restful people of God? I love what Jesus says in Matthew 11. He says this, come to me all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest and joy for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. Church, our question this morning, how can we experience rest in a restless world? Would you pray with me? Lord, once again, as we come to your word, open our hearts, Lord God, no matter how we feel in our heart this morning, Lord Jesus, would you open those doors that, Lord, we may welcome your voice in to love and to guide us. Lord, would you open our ears this morning, Lord, and remove distraction that, Father, we would hear your voice from heaven today, that, Lord, your word would go forth and bring transformation in our lives, that we may be, God, the people and the church you've called us to be, a people of rest. And in Jesus' name, we all said, Amen.
Amen. So, George, I want to I want to um, begin our next bit with a wee bit of a quiz. Okay, so if you are either a new believer, uh, you're not a believer, or maybe you're just kind of journeying back into your faith after a long time, don't you worry about this. Okay, so you're exempt from this bit this morning. And all the believers got very nervous, right? <laughs> the number of uh, professing believers that got cut in half there, but. Here's what I want you to do. If you turn to the person next to you, okay, if you've you've been a believer for some time, and see how many of the Ten Commandments you can remember, all right? Don't worry about the order. I got some looks there, right? Don't worry about the order, okay? Just have a think of how many you can get, okay? So have a go at that now. Harder than you think, isn't it? I can see people going like this, trying to remember. Is it you, you are what you eat, or is it, you know? Okay, so how many, I'm just going to ask you hands for this one, and this is okay to show this off. How many got all 10? Anybody got all 10? A couple of people got all 10. This is the holier side of the church over here, clearly. <laughs> Anybody get between maybe one and five at least? Anybody? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, great. That's good. That's good. Okay, we're in a healthy place. But you know, church, of all the Ten Commandments, let me run through them. You can maybe finish them, some of them for me. You shall have no other gods. You shall not make idols. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in. Remember to keep the Sabbath day. Honor your, your mommy and your daddy. You shall not... Mur- I thought I'd give you a prompt there. You shall not commit... You shall not, you shall not bear false, you shall not covet. The side of that church got it again, okay. But you know, church, out of all those commandments, right, most of those we would look at, and, and in our heart of hearts as believers say, yeah, I, I don't want to go against that, right? I want to go on the path that God has for me, right? But you know, church, I've noticed that there's one commandment, right, that there's one part of that scripture where if we're being honest, we're okay if we break it, right? We, we don't really talk about it much in the church. And I don't know if you've maybe gathered from what we've been talking about so far, but it's number four, keep the Sabbath day holy, right? Did you know that rest is a command? Did you know that taking time aside is an order from God, right? And what we want to look at this morning, folks, is that scripture. So we're going to bring it up when Moses originally said it in Exodus Uh, chapter 20, verse 8. It says this, remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. 
You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath, a day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. Now, the word there for Sabbath, church literally means this, to cease, right? To stop, to knock it on the head, whatever way you want to put it. The Sabbath day is a day of rest. Now, in our culture, we think, I will take a day off, right? That's what usually goes through our head, but it's more than just a day off from work. It's a day of intentional rest in a busy world. Now, a quick bit of history on the Sabbath day. Um, for some of you, you've maybe been around church for a long time, you'll maybe know that the Sabbath was originally um, a Jewish day, and so it started on a Friday night and then ended on a Saturday night, which is a, a really good way to do that. I know some people who at six o'clock on a Friday night will switch off phones or whatever it might be, distracting them, and that will be them through to Saturday. They'll spend time with friends and family and all that good stuff. But for Believer's Church, we've typically seen the Sabbath as a Sunday because historically, and this is where we're going to do a quick run through of history, the early church had to meet on a Sunday to gather together. And then over the years, um, as Christianity grew and began to gain influence in the culture and in the government, um, in AD 321, uh, Emperor Augustine, no, that's wrong, Emperor Constantine, uh, the Roman emperor decided that actually the Sunday would be declared as a day off across the empire for rest and the worship of God. So that's how we end up with the Sabbath on a Sunday as Christians. And so Sunday worship became the norm. Now, for many of us, church, we really have the privilege of calling Sunday a day off, right? We, we have the honor of being able to do that, that Sunday is a day off, it's a Sabbath. It can be or has the potential to be a day of rest. But for many of us, that doesn't always work for us. And as Sunday does it, maybe you work in the emergency services or you're in healthcare, care worker. Uh, maybe you're on shift work at the moment as well. So there, there's loads of reasons why a Sunday may not always look like a Sabbath for us. And in case you're wondering, you're not breaking the commandment by doing that, by the way, okay? Because what we're looking at here, folks, is the principle of the Sabbath. Even if Sunday cannot always be your Sabbath, although it's preferred. The principle is this, one day in the week, not just as a day off, but one day in your week for you to rest. The Sabbath is a day of rest. And so church, really who we're called to be is this, we're called to be a Sabbath people, a rested people. Now you may be thinking to yourself, Jordan, I get it, command, day of rest, sounds great, not for me and my schedule right now. If only you knew what I'm up to. I'm up to my eyes, I'm at the end of my tether, and all those different phrases begin to come to our mind. It just doesn't work for me to have a day of rest, a Sabbath for rest and worship. Um, but I'm going to do a wee test for you this morning. You ready? This is five signs you might need a Sabbath, okay? I'm not going to ask for hands in this one, all right? Here we go. You think rest is being still in the traffic, Right? Your only, your only alone time is when you're alone in the bathroom. I'm not at that stage of life yet, but you cannot remember anything you ate in the last three days. You've gone on an hour-long drive, and you've had so much on your mind that when you arrived, you weren't sure how you got there. Have you ever done that? You've pulled into the driveway, and you're going, oh my goodness gracious, right? You could have hit three people on the way, and you wouldn't have known, right? Five, when you're on social media during a film, texting during dinner, reading email during the meeting, and learn about your spouse's day on Facebook, right? 
Those are some signs, church, that actually we need a day of rest. We need a Sabbath. And so, church, very briefly this morning, I want to give us three practical ways we can be a Sabbath people. Three practical ways we can really experience rest as the people of God. Because here's the thing, church, rest or the Sabbath day is actually a foretaste of what's to come in eternity. When there will be eternal rest, when there will be an eternal sense of being at peace and being whole. So let's taste that foretaste just now. The first principle is this, we slow down and we step away. In Mark 6, verses 30 to 31, this happens. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Now, if you know the story, that didn't quite work out because then over 5,000 people showed up and they were hungry and they had to do the, the miracle of the five loaves and the two fish. But you'll see this principle, folks, again and again in the New Testament where Jesus slows everything down and he steps away to be with people who are important to him. And I don't know about you, but see if I was in Jesus' shoes or if I was one of the disciples, I'd be saying, have you not seen this ministry that's going on? People are, are coming to, to faith, they're getting healed, and their lives are being put back together. And, and, and Jesus, you're, you're, you're trending on Twitter, Jesus. You're, you're famous. This is going really, really well. And Jesus still slows it all down, and he steps away. And you know, church, there is a biblical principle for us to know when in our week to slow it down and to step away. Now, that's really countercultural, isn't it? It's not something that always sits well with us because in our society, the more you do, the more significant you are, aren't you? And so I think that's a real challenge to us this morning, church, that we have a day in our week, ideally the Sabbath, but it may not work like that for all of us, but a day in the week where you can slow down and step away. Do you know in the way where if you're out for coffee with someone, you're actually like present in the moment and not doing that thing, and we've all been there, haven't we? Where we've been for coffee or we've been with lunch for family or friend, and you're going, mm-hmm, okay, oh, really? Wow, but your head's a million miles away, right? To slow down and to step back, church, is to be present in the moment with people who are important to us. For some of us, slowing down and stepping away on the Sabbath, it may look like getting out of the house and going out with the kids or, or doing something as a family or going out and meeting friends. For some of us, a Sabbath may look like actually being in the house for a change, right? Actually getting time to yourself, all the introverts in the room, yeah? You're like, close the door, leave me alone, right? It's my Sabbath, okay? We're all built differently, church, and slowing down and stepping away will look different for each and every single one of us. It's where we're willing to switch off from the rush of everyday life. It's where we're willing to press pause in that thing that we're working on or that we're always thinking about. So maybe for you, slowing down and stepping away is time with family and friends. Or maybe it's time away from family and friends. You know what I mean? But it's, it's, it's different for everyone. We all need a Sabbath. 
Because here's the thing, church, see if we don't slow down and see if we don't need Sabbath rest. If we don't learn to come apart, we begin to fall apart, right? Because church, our very design is humanity. We need rest. You think back to the Genesis story and on the seventh day, God rested, right? And that was an example to us, not because God needed a break, because he knew that our humanity, we need rest. You know, in uh, Soviet Russia, in the 1930s, Joseph Stalin was like, right, I want the Soviet Union to be one of the most productive nations in the face of the earth. And so believe it or not, out of a desire to get rid of Sunday worship and Sunday rest for people gathering together as the church, they actually moved in Russia from a seven-day week to a six-day week. And then they moved again to a five-day week. And the whole idea was this. You can have one day off, but you have to work the rest. No time for worship, no time for gathering, okay? Now we know why sometimes we take the church for granted in the West, right? But the point was this, that at least 80% at any one time, 80% of the workforce would be at work and only 20% would be at home, which means less time to rest, less time to be together. In fact, there were some factories that would run nine, 10 consecutive working days. The whole idea that the country would be working 24-7, seven days a week, going, going, going. The machines in the factories weren't to stop. And you know what they found after a decade? They had to get rid of the policy altogether because the people physically couldn't keep up without rest. And you know, church, one of the cry of our world today is a cry for rest, is a cry for peace that we're not getting in our society and in our culture right now. And yet here is the savior of the world offering us a day of rest to slow down and to step back if we're willing to do it. Some of us would still might be thinking, oh, Jordan, just a full day for me is impossible. But church, this God's Sabbath command to be at rest is out of his love and his kindness for you. Out of his concern for you that you would be a whole person as much as possible. I heard a brilliant quote this week and it said this, that God can do more through you in six days than you can do in seven on your own. God can do more through you in six days than you can do through seven on your own. In fact, Sabbath church is really saying this, right? It's so practical. God, I trust you so much that I can slow down and step back for 24 hours and the world is not gonna fall apart. It's an act of trust that says, Lord, this life is not in my hands. It's in your hands. And so I can rest. Do you trust him, church, with a rest day? Do you trust God enough for a Sabbath just for you? There's a, this kind of feeling I think that sometimes we get, though, that if, if we're not constantly working, if we're not constantly thinking or, or the hustle or the drive or whatever it might be, that we get a bit of FOMO, right? Fear of missing out right? What if I don't get to that part of my work that I want to do? What if I don't achieve all of this within this certain time frame? Or what if I'm not always socializing and being out and about, especially if that's what you want to do? But church, do you know what? Sabbath actually can benefit us in incredible ways. 
there's this story of, of two lumberjacks and one made a bet against the other that he could chop down more trees than the other, right? And so they go at it and the two of them are chopping away and the lumberjack who made the challenge, he just takes a, a half an hour break in the middle of the day. Just a quick break and then he gets on with chopping wood. And then it turns out at the end of the day, he comes to the other fellow and he says, how on earth did you chop more trees down than I did? Sure, you took a break nearly every 20 minutes. You were relaxing and just sitting there, and yet you've got more trees cut down than I do. And the other lumberjack looked at him and said, yeah, but every time I rested, I was sharpening my axe, right? And so church, when we rest, it's giving us emotional, spiritual, and physical rest that we can be all that God has called us to be. Church, next time you rest, remove those feelings of guilt and that you should be doing something. And just you rest in who God's called you to be. Rest is a godly and a good thing. Second principle is this, church, quickly. This is dead practical. It's called stop the scroll, right? This is a very modern one, but it could apply to any kind of technology we have. Do you remember we were told that especially smartphones would make our lives easier, Right? that they would make things quicker, that we would have more time and instead we've ended up spending more time on our phones, right? Or maybe for you it's TV or a tablet or, or whatever it might be, right? Do you even notice that even if you're sitting in a room of people and there's a buzz or a thing, everybody goes, is that me? Is that you? And everyone starts feeling their pockets, right? They're just, they're always on us all the time. And there's just this constant stream of, of information and entertainment that just goes, goes, goes. And even now, researchers are saying, folks, that actually, do you know what? It's beginning to have a negative effect on the brain. Too much screen time. Sometimes we've got to know when to stop the scroll. Maybe it's deleting an app for a weekend or for a week or for a day. Maybe it's learning to put the phone or the tablet or whatever it might be in a drawer just so that you can have your mind to yourself. You know, some researchers are saying that researchers, researchers, researchers are saying that it's affecting cognitive and emotional ability. It's affecting concentration and even our relationships. And so in our society, folks, we're, I know we're drawn to the screen a lot, but maybe we've got to learn to stop the scroll. Maybe we need to know when to literally switch off and switch off a device. On your Sabbath day, what would it look like to stop the scroll? See, even over the pandemic, do you remember that actually the news were saying, stop watching us so much? Do you remember that so much information was coming through over the pandemic, over crisis and crisis, that the, the, uh, the recommendation was learn when to turn the news off. Because you know what, church, I'm not convinced that our human brains were ever meant to know so much, that we were meant to know every crisis, every disaster, every government falling apart 24-7, 20 days a week, 27 days a week, <laughs> right? I'm stressed, right? <laughs> Because we just don't have the capacity for it. We just don't. And many of you know that scripture, Psalm 23. It's quoted all the time. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. But here's the thing, church. See for the Lord to lead us beside still waters for the Lord to lead us to rest and refreshment. We need to be willing to be led away from some things, even for a day. 
Sometimes we need to slow down, step back, and stop the scroll. Now, here's a final principle for your Sabbath. Finally, it's about seeking the Savior. In Isaiah 58, 13, it says this, keep the Sabbath day holy. Don't pursue your own interests in that day, but enjoy the Sabbath and speak of it with delight as the Lord's holy day. See, church, Sabbath is ultimately about giving God the first part of your day on the first part of the week. Sabbath is saying, Lord, you are so important to me and giving the first part of this day to you that we normally usually would call Sunday morning. And I can understand what I might say, right, Jordan, I get that, but I I can probably rest without God. It's not necessary, is it, for a day of rest? Well, here's the thing, church, we can never know Sabbath rest unless we know the God of the Sabbath, right? There's this story of an Indonesian pastor talk, and it was of a guy driving through one of the the villages in Indonesia. He's on his way to market in this wee van with a wee pickup bit at the back. So he's got some space in it. And as he's driving through, he sees an older man and he's carrying water on his back, a wee bit like this photo here. He's got water on each side and he's way down by this water as he's trying to carry it through to the market. And so the guy in the van pulls over and he says, do you want a lift? And this guy's delighted. He's like, absolutely, get the weight off me. And so he gets into the van and they begin to drive off. And as they're driving into the village, The driver turns around, and this guy's sitting on the chair, but he's still trying to hold the water up. And you see, church, so often we can try to take rest without actually giving it all over to God himself. Some of us are maybe sitting here this morning, and the Lord's offering us rest, but we can still feel the weight of what we're carrying on our shoulders. But Jesus offers us something very different this morning, church. Jesus offers us true rest and the true Sabbath, where his burden is not heavy, but his burden is light. And church, when we prioritize the Sabbath as the Lord's day, as his day that he wants for us for rest, we will find when we practice it properly, that weight begins to go because he allows us to take it off our shoulders and put it onto him. Cast all your burdens upon the Lord, for he cares for you. Church, on this Sabbath, are you willing to seek the Savior? St. Augustine said this, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. And maybe you're here this morning in church and you're thinking, do you know what, I would love a taste of that rest. I'm going to invite the worship team up just now. Maybe you're here this morning, you're going, do you know what, Jordan, I would love that burden a little bit lighter. Church, the Lord is here today. I know we're toward the end of the service, but we can still rise our expectations to say, Lord, on this Sabbath day, on this day of rest, I can give my burdens this weight to you that I could live as freely and as lightly as you've called me to live. Church, let's be Sabbath people. Let's be rested people, disciplined enough to know when to slow down and step back, when to stop the scroll, and when to seek the Savior, the only one we can find rest in. Would you stand with me this morning?
you know, if you're here this morning and, and maybe you know Jesus personally, um, or maybe you, you once followed Jesus, or you've never given your life to Jesus, you know, the greatest rest we can ever know is the experience of the forgiveness of our sins through his sacrifice on the cross and the rest of knowing that eternal life awaits because of his resurrection. And if you would like to know Jesus this morning personally and experience his rest, his Sabbath, we'd love to chat with you after the service. I'll be about the front for a wee while after and, and so will the prayer team just up at the front. Um, but see during this next song, church, we're gonna open the altar again. If you're here and you're saying, Lord, I wanna taste that Sabbath rest today. Lord, I wanna give this over to you. You feel free to come to the altar just now and we would love to pray for you in this next song that Sabbath rest in Jesus would be yours today. Let's sing.